UK Motor Talk. So hi everybody, um, we're here, um, I say we're here, we're not actually here, we're actually in four different locations across Sussex as it goes, um, and it's me, Mike, there's Jim. Hello. Dramatic pause of a satellite lag, and we've got Graham as well, who in my screen is in the bottom corner, but for you could be anywhere, you have no idea. But we're in different places, so we're going to try this uh, and see where we go. First time we've tried this, my, my glamorous studio assistant has just delivered a cup of tea, so uh, we will be lubricated. Well, speak for yourself, I'm afraid I'm devoid of lubrication. Yeah, th- this is going to happen a lot. Apologies in advance if, uh, if anyone talks over anyone, but uh, working, from, uh, working from different locations, it's uh, not going to be quite as natural and fluid as our normal rambling, very unfluid affair, so uh, bear with us. No, it's going to take some sorting out, I think, uh, afterwards. But um, there we are. Well, that's Andrew's problem. And for the for the benefit of those listening, Andrew is making very rude gestures in the background as well. So if uh, if you've got little ears listening, best to cover their eyes now. <laughs> yes, he has just gesticulated at me in the way that an other motorist might do from a window. If you're allowed to drive, of course, but we're, we're not really. In, indicating that you should have gone twice round the roundabout as opposed to once round the roundabout. He's done a Cleland and he's going for first. I'm going for first, says Cleland. <laughs> right. Right, well, the, uh, the, the very first uh, item I'd like to bring up on the agenda is uh, listening to the podcast of a couple of weeks ago. Graham, what have you bought? Oh, well, I, 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 off air, I was just describing it. Yet another Volvo, somewhat newer than the last one. Low mileage by my standards, anyway, because the last one got to uh, 243,000, I think it was, before it decided to pump the um, uh, oil pump uh, for the very, very last time, which starved the top of the engine within seconds. It took me 30, 40 yards to stop. That was enough to lunch the top of the engine. Game over. Scrapyard job. And uh, it didn't fetch very much money at the scrapyard, I'm disappointed to say. But um, hopefully I've got something that'll last me a lot longer. It's now been christened Purple Haze, by the way, because it um, is an odd colour. Volvo call it Blackberry. Uh, the DVLA call it Purple. And uh, there we are. In deference to Jimi Hendrix, it will be Purple Haze. Good choice. But move, moving on from that, what else have you bought? Ah, <laughs> for my good lady, we bought a Peugeot 308 Estate. Oh my which, god! Uh, I'm, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> we got it. We got a good deal on it, so I, I can't argue with that. And we also got 12 months warranty on both cars. So it is. Uh, it is with great, great regret we must announce uh, Graham's departure from the world of motoring, as he's clearly lost all interest in motoring by buying a Peugeot. <laughs> And this is good news for Andrew, because suddenly he doesn't become the butt of every joke. <laughs> True. Uh, uh, we are consigned to load luggers rather than slightly more glamorous vehicles, unfortunately. So, However, the Volvo, good choice. What can we say? We love a Volvo. I think mine, mine managed 256,000 before it got sold, and then managed a bit more before it finally uh, ran out of MOT, and it looks like they didn't bother to MOT it again after... So sad times. All right. Um, are, you, are you one of these people who follows your car after you've sold it? Yes. Well, I, I just had a quick look to see if it had been MOT'd again, that's all. And I thought, well, let's see. And no, not MOT'd again. 
So I can only assume yeah. that it either didn't bother or it failed spectacularly. I was particularly irritated by the fact that uh, having uh, rebuilt the door and the side and so on of the previous Volvo uh, at the request of the insurance company, because I didn't particularly want it to be scrapped, um, I then got it re-MOT'd and within, I think, four days or something like that, the old pump went. So um, it, it, I know where mine went. It went off on the back of a truck. Both cars went off on the back of a truck to the scrapyard at exactly the same time. So the misfortunes of motoring. Well, it is a, it is a very rare feat indeed to be able to kill a Volvo. So I think we'll have a, we'll have a little golf clap <laughs> for, uh, for the ability to kill a Volvo. That, that is a rare feat indeed. We should all be standing outside eight o'clock clapping. <laughs> just, just at the time I'm trying to put my daughter to bed, which is a really good timing, especially bearing in mind one of our neighbours has taken to going outside and blasting his horn, and another neighbour has recently purchased an air horn as well, so that always makes <laughs> bedtime interesting. Mm, yeah, one of my neighbours is setting off fireworks, which is really helpful when, uh, when the kids have gone to bed. You know, it's, it's a great, great thing to do. Let's, let's not take anything away from that. Really is, uh, it is a great thing to be able to do. But yeah, it's a terrible time to decide to do it. But wouldn't you prefer an Italian tenor on the next door's balcony to um, fireworks or an air horn? It would be much better, much better. I think the, uh, the Europeans have, um, have got lockdown singing and, uh, and uh, entertaining each other down to a much finer art than we have. Yeah, there's a certain European style, I think, uh, to, to the way these things are being done. At eight o'clock, I'd like to be having sacks. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a response I can make to that. Well, I can't say that I'm able to, to play the saxophone, um, but if I could, I think 8 till 10 would be a good amount of time to, to play for. If you're attempting to retaliate to the neighbours, the inability to play is probably a blessing. Quite possibly true, yeah. Unfortunately, it turns out my, my skills are more automotive-based than they are um, instruments. Right, I, I'm going to say this now before we get further. The lo this, this lockdown, and I appreciate that not everyone can work from home and everything else, and some of us are still working from home, some of us are furloughed, some of us are not working from home at all or whatever. Um, you know, they're just stuck at home. However, it has been a very different experience for those with kids and those without. I've worked out so far in the... I think we're week four or five, I don't know. It's like the bit between Christmas and New Year and no one knows what day or, or time it actually is or who knows, whatever it could be. But I've worked out that I've had one and a half days in total to myself in the entire four and a bit weeks. So it's, it's been a different experience altogether. Although, I have to admit that uh, we have got a new car as well. It's not uh, anywhere near as big or as spacious as, uh, as Graham's, but it's, uh, it's probably ooh, two and a half foot long and appropriately is a mini um, for the little lad to be able to push himself around on indoors. So at least we have got some sort of form of transport. We're not entirely restricted to leaving the cars on the drive. No, no MOT necessary. Brilliant. Yeah, it's true. I think keeping the uh, keeping the kids entertained is uh, certainly proving tricky at the moment, and for for all of the the adults in the country that can understand it and know what's going on, regardless of whether they stick to the rules or not, they know what's going on. For for little ones, especially two, three, four, five, six year olds who who might not understand it fully. Uh, it's certainly got to be a challenging time. And uh, if somebody said to you, "Oh yeah, you'll have three, four, five, six weeks at home with," uh, with no work, you'd, uh, you'd have probably jumped at that six months ago, whereas now we're actually in it. Lots of people, I think, uh, just can't wait to get mm. back to work and get back to normal. I think that's true. The first couple of weeks for a lot of people were a bit of a holiday. Uh, and now a lot of people are simply running out of patience, running out of space, running out of 
stuff to do. I've managed to find a bit of time around the house to do a few things. So done a, a bit of um, decorating, but obviously I can't do the, the major project, which is the lounge. Otherwise, my wife and daughter would have to be confined to lockdown just in the upstairs of the house for three or four days, which would be a bit harsh on them, I think. But I have managed to, to wash the car and jet wash the drive and the patio and get the driveway all resanded and sealed, etc. So that's looking quite pretty. Sorting out a few bits and pieces in the garage. So it's uh, it's been OK to have a uh, the odd day here and there to do a few things I've been planning to do. I say, well, I, I have managed to get out onto the driveway and start the cars so the engines don't seize up and the batteries don't go flat and everything else. And I've taken the boy with me, um, which is encouraging his interest in cars. And when I say encouraging his interest in cars, what he's managed to do now is figure out where the wipers are, how to wash the windscreen, how to twist all the dials, the buttons, make the screen pop up and down out the dash in the Audi. Um, how to turn all the fog lamps and spot lamps on on the Mini. Uh, and, yeah, he seems to be thoroughly enjoying being able to get around inside the car. I'll point out he's one, or just about to be one, rather than sort of being 15 or something, because you think that probably would be a bit obvious. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he seems to be absolutely <laughs> loving crawling around the car, inside the car, pulling the steering wheel about and everything else. So um, I don't, I'm not sure I've created a monster, maybe a little monster here, but uh, he's suddenly figured out where everything is and how everything works. <laughs> I'm just going to throw in there, so you called your car Purple Haze, which is, of course, uh, a type of wax as well. So one of the dodo juice range they've cooked up in the kitchen. It's lovely purple colour, which is good for deep coloured cars. Now, I'm guessing that most of you that are listening are into your cars. A lot of you might also be into cleaning. And to be honest, I think if you haven't cleaned your car, have you even locked down? Some people have cleaned it so many times. Walking around on my, uh, my scheduled one-hour exercise every day, walking around my local hood, there has been a ridiculous amount of shiny cars and driveways, more than I've ever seen before. Jim obsesses about cleaning. I used to enjoy it. I don't really anymore. I've lost the love for it because I never get the time to do it properly. I like a really clean, shiny car. But I am take it you've, you've probably gone to town on yours. Gone to town on yourself? That's not right. You've probably gone to town on your car. That's what I mean. I have well uh, only, only once, but I did. Uh, I did manage to spend the entire day on it last week, and it's uh, it's only rained once since, which was uh, and it hardly had any dirt on it when it did rain, and the uh, the wax and funnily enough, it was a coat of purple haze dodo juice that I put on it, uh, so that worked very well, kept it rather clean, and uh, no, it was uh, it was nice to be able to spend the entire day on it and hopefully get another day or two on it later. That's rather sound as though we're heading for that particular company as a future sponsor. Should we just keep mentioning the name, Purple Haze? Purple Haze and Dodo Juice. Yes, so if uh, if the lads at Dodo Juice want to write to us and sponsor us, we're, it, actually it'd be very cheap sponsorship. You don't really need to send us any products because I think I've got most of them. But uh, any extras you want to send over, that'd be brilliant. Oh, well, fine, but send money. I'm all in favour. Send money. <laughs> well, yep, you know, that's the normal address, right? To, us, uh, to UK Motor Talk Towers, PO Box, whatever it is. Um, so, yes, we've got a bit of that. I've got a bit of um, auto finesse on mine. I've got a bit of dodo juice, a bit of Megs to wash it up with. Um, but, yeah, it's, I have to admit that I've also spent several hours on each car just trying to get them looking pretty shiny. Um, and by chance, I would say we bumped into each other. We, we At a social distance, we bumped into each other at a supermarket, which will remain nameless, that sounds like Rainsbury's. And <laughs> we, we social distanced the cars next to each other downstairs, and they both looked, well, incredibly shiny, I think, next to each other. I think this proves the point, doesn't it? We're not bored. I just want to point this out. <laughs> Well, 
Right, moving on. Right, enough talk of COVID-19, I think, because it's we everybody, everybody who's uh, listening to this will have heard many, 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 many things about it. However, we were talking when we were off air about whether this is going to make a, a big difference to the motor industry. And I suppose, Jim, you are the most uniquely qualified to answer the questions on this. And Graham had some questions. I was propounding the, the, the possibility that post the apocalyptic events that we've had recently, when people actually A, go back to work and B, can afford to buy something, will they be expecting to do some really, really super deals on the cars? And uh, will the manufacturers be so desperate to sell the cars that you're going to see the sort of price cuts that we've just never witnessed before? Well, I think, well, there's... Although there'll be um, obviously a, an effect on the figures, I mean, March was uh, was horrific for the motor industry in terms of where you would expect the numbers to be. Obviously, March being a plate change month, uh, you'd expect to see a big spike in sales. Uh, the fact that the lockdown was imposed and all car selling activities had to stop on the uh, on the 22nd 23rd typically every every dealership every manufacturer will rush towards the end of the month to uh, to hit their target so we didn't have that usual spike towards the end of the month with uh, with the dealers rushing to hit their target so the numbers were actually a more realistic picture of the UK motor industry. I mean, towards the end of every month, any dealership, doesn't matter how big or small you are, will will self-register cars in order to hit targets. Yeah, quite so. Standard practice, Jim, in the industry, isn't it? But, uh, you know, a 44% decline month-on-month sales is is a pretty big hit, even though, as I I accept that, you know, that's effectively a three-week month. Well, it it is, but as as I say, the um, all the the self registrations and demonstrators done at the end of the month. No, in terms of a financial impact, nobody makes any money at those. They they get put on. The manufacturers kick the the knackers out of them to allow the dealers to register them. Some manufacturers more than others, but the the, the manufacturer doesn't make any money on those cars. It just makes their numbers look good. It then mm. costs the dealership month after month after month whilst they're writing them down, using them for whatever they're using them for, and they then get sold a couple of months later, ex-demonstrator low mileage with several thousands of pounds off list price. Mm. So although there is there is that drop, it's not actually a huge financial implication um, across mm. the industry. I think that several manufacturers took a very sensible view and adjusted targets and things like that and said to every dealership, what, whatever number you've got to, we'll class that as 100% and chuck you a couple of quid. So that's that's not horrific. There certainly won't be big stockpiles of, of unsold cars when all of this is over because all the factories have closed down, all the logistics yeah. channels have closed down, so no new cars are being delivered anywhere in the country to dealerships. So it's not like every, every dealership's going to have to have a yard sale because all of a sudden they've got 300 cars piled up. So it's, I think it's effectively on, on pause. And then when things resume, although people will be going back to work and, and trying, get, trying to get back to something resembling normality... I can see that over the next 12 to 18 months we'll obviously still be feeling the effects of this and companies will have to see if they can recoup the losses that have occurred whilst on lockdown 
So although you might be back to work, you're not going to be 100% confident that your job is still going to be there in six months. So are, are the general public going to rush out to buy cars and sign themselves up to two, three, four, five hundred pound a month PCPs or lease deals or whatever it is, I'm, I'm not convinced that they are. No, I don't think they will. They, they're going to want a few months of, uh, of normality and know that they have some security, and then we will see a recovery and a, and a heading back to normal, I think. Yeah, I think it'll 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 take a time. Uh, initially, perhaps uh, if there are any dealerships at all open, if you uh, phoned them up perhaps and said, "I'll offer you so and so for whatever," um, they might be glad of it. But uh, as you say, there's going to be such a shortage of supply um, post uh, coronavirus and when everybody starts to go back to work and. Uh, it's going to take a long time for people's confidence to come back. They're going to try and get themselves into some sort of stable financial position first. I did actually look at some European figures. I mean, the the, the April figures will be basically zero. But looking at March figures for the rest of Europe, the worst, I think, uh, Spain was down nearly 70%. France and Germany were down over 70%. Italy had an 82% drop in car sales over that period. So... Uh, you know, it's it's the 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 size of the trench and the size of the depression is relative in in each case. Yeah, I mean, of course, Italy hit worse and an earliest than uh, than any other European country on this. So yeah, that that will have had uh, will have had a bigger effect on Italy. But of course, in theory, their their recovery will start sooner if if they caught the front end of it before anyone then they should in theory see the back end of it before anyone so italy's april or may figures may well be better proportionally than than britain for example as you say april will be virtually nothing um june may june who knows i but i I suspect with uh, with a lot of things we won't really be back to normal until this time next year maybe even late next year yeah i quite agree it's interesting that um uh, Ferrari, having said uh, they were going to go back into the factory in, I think it was mid-April, I've now put that off to the 3rd of May, and I, I think even uh, that's a little unlikely because, um, you know, I just think at the end of May, early June is more realistic for most people. Although I did notice you know, a couple of bits of news that Volkswagen have got skeleton crews in uh, preparing the factories for um, uh, for the resumption of production. And ditto Vauxhall at Aylesmere Port. I'm sure others are doing basically the same so that they can get a flying start as soon as they are able to do so. I think it's like anything, really. It's uh, as with the whole um, Brexit scenario at, at the back end of last year, and I never thought I'd say this, but I really miss talking about Brexit. Um, it was uh, a, a lot of it was, uh, was, I think, psychological. We saw in in the industry that as soon as Brexit was done in inverted commas and, and we'd left, even though nothing actually changed, everybody just felt a bit better, felt a bit happier, good, that's done, we can move on. And and things were picking up. Things were buoyant, thing you know, all all the lines on every graph you looked at were pointing up and there was a general good mood about the country. So I think a lot of it is psychological as well. The quicker, as you say, we get back to normal, it's it's a uh, it's a cyclical thing, isn't it? The more people buy cars, then the more likely 
myself and Mike are to stay employed, so the more likely we are to go out and buy a TV, a holiday, a fridge or freezer to keep the people at EasyJet or Curry's or Comet or Apple employed, and then the more likely they are to want to go out and buy cars, and and, and the whole thing is just cyclical. The, the quicker that we can that we can get back to being happy. And I think all the measures the Chancellor's put in place in terms of allowing the economy to keep going, in other words, have all these businesses still in existence when lockdown is lifted, is absolutely spot on. Because the minute that the economy stops, the minute the economy stalls and money stops coming in and going out and coming in and going out, is that's that's when you're in real trouble. So although it's, it is sticking it on the credit card and worrying about it later... By sticking it on the credit card, it means there is a later to worry about. So, that, I mean, Mike, you're in the position of an awful lot of people. You know, young family, house, car, and all the uh, all the usual things to to worry about. What's your perception of um, what point are you likely to rebuild your sort of financial confidence? Well, I mean, I'm in a, a relatively fortunate position at the moment that the company looks after me well. Um, so. As it stands at the moment, it's more cases it's just a bit frustrating. Of course, you're not just saying that because your boss is in the podcast, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it does have some uh, bearing, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite lucky the company looks after me well. I, the frustration at the moment is that, really, you want to work, you want to... And it's, you say about the factories, there are skeleton staff, they're keeping everything going, ticking over. But you're conscious of the fact that what you would normally do... I mean, in my case, I'm furloughed presently... So I can't work, but there are lots of things that I'd want to be doing, which were just keeping everything going and ticking over, th- checking things in the background, making sure everything's okay. Because things, things do happen and change that, that unfortunately you can't always impact. As it stands at the moment, I don't think you can really go to a, a dealership again. And, and I'm, I'm terrible for just going and buying cars. And I will, because <laughs> I, I, I enjoy buying cars. But I don't think I could walk into a dealership now and say that 20 grand car give you 15 grand for. Because for the same token, if you're earning 20 grand, you wouldn't let someone come up to you and say, well, I'll just pay you 15 then. Because it's just, it's not acceptable. So I think that where there will be bargains to be had will be people who have something that's a bit more unusual, a bit rarer. Um, I saw there have been some ridiculous deals on used Ferraris that people have got in their collection. And they're not in a position to be able to hold on to them, which is what you would do, because if you treat something like a Ferrari as as shares, you buy it, it appreciates in value. If all of a sudden you find yourself needing to liquidate, there there might be bargains. But I don't think that we're going to see quite so much of that in the industry as such. For me personally, would I consider going and buying another car once this is finished? Yes, I probably would if it was the same sort of outgoing that I've been used to, because like many people on furlough that have been relatively lucky, you know, if you, you can tighten your belt slightly and actually in the grand scheme of things, you're not spending so much money because we're not fueling up cars every month. You're not out there using the tyres, the brakes, the everything else. There's not the maintenance costs. And in real terms, and I, and I appreciate that I'm very fortunate in this, I haven't seen as much of a difference. So when I return to work, assuming everything looks okay... I mean, if you're working in the automotive industry, of course, generally speaking, if you work with something with new cars, you'd consider building your order, your order bank up, and you'd be looking three months ahead. Obviously, at the moment, no one's able to buy stuff, so your three months ahead is looking pretty poor. So whether or not you, you know, people in automotive go back to work 
uh, and everything looks good because you've got stuff that still was due to be delivered or has been delivered and it's now all going out, I think we're going to see a delay. And for me, working in that industry, it'll be the same thing. I think it won't hit us when we go back in June or whenever it might be. I think it'll hit us in September or August or October or something. Yeah, when, when all those bills uh, start to come in and the final demands on them and the pressure from the banks to repay the pitifully small sums that uh, they're lending some people, it's... it's uh, yeah, I think you're right, Mike. It's it's there's going to be a delayed effect. It's interesting you saying about the the, the savings that we're all making by not using our vehicles. I, I you, you probably know that my wife and I both do uh, pretty high mileages, and uh, just the difference that's made to our fuel bills is is quite extraordinary. I'm slightly bitter with the fact that with petrol nearly at its lowest price that I've seen for many 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 years. Uh, that I can't really stock up. You know, I feel like I, I need to go and buy loads and loads and loads of five-litre cans and fill them up just to, uh, at that price. But, of course, you can't do that. Is that why people are doing stupid speeds on uh, these relatively empty roads at the moment, then? Just just, just to use the cheap fuel? Well, it, it, that may well be the case, or the fact that they think because there's no uh, vehicles around them that um, they can get away with it. Unfortunately, there are still police vehicles around them. So the guy who got, I think, was it on the M1, 151? Uh, you know, that's that's just crazy. That really is just crazy. But on the plus side, I'm getting three weeks of the gallon at the moment, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is the best I've ever got out of any car. So, uh, you know, at least we're, uh, we're doing OK with that. I mean, honestly, I have started the cars on the drive, let them idle, I have been to a supermarket and I've had to, before the furlough, I had to pop into work to pick up some uh, some files and bits and pieces to allow me to work from home. And in honesty, I've, I've not driven anywhere. But the funny thing is, I'm not sure I've really missed it too much. What do you guys think? What, missed driving? or Yes. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I have missed because I think now, obviously, as the uh, the weather was creeping towards being nicer and the uh, and the clocks change, um, we were looking forward to uh, to getting another track day in in short order. And I think we'd said around about April time was when we were going to uh, when we were going to get out for the first time. But obviously, that's uh, that's on hold. And I, I really would like to be going and doing a track day now. And of course, in theory, you're in the car, you're on your own, so you're as you're as isolated as possible. You're in a sealed unit, so <laughs> it's a, it's a tad unfortunate that track days can't continue. But um, it's uh, it's like anything else; it's just a case of being sensible and and waiting. But again, it's it's one of those race circuits all around the country derive a good amount of their their income from track days, not just the big events and touring cars, superbikes, Formula One, whatever they happen to host. Everybody turning up to to have a go and live out their racing driver fantasies chucks a, uh, a good couple of quid a year into every racetrack so all of that's on hold um again all we can hope is that uh, that everyone goes nuts when we can reopen and, and gets out on track and and no little motor racing circuits up and down the country under financial pressure get uh, get seen off by this although similarly uh, you know we we do uh, because it's in the nature of what we do, we do get invited to all kinds of uh, events, and of course, all those events have stopped. So those uh, driving experiences and driving days, yes, I sort of miss not being able to do those, and hopefully they'll, you know, all come back uh, uh, a little bit later on. But do I miss driving generally? 
probably given that I spend a lot of time pounding around motorways, all of which seem to be being turned into um, American-style multi-lane motorways where you don't break down because your life is in somebody else's hands if you do. Um, no, I don't miss that. I don't miss pounding around the motorways. Um, and will all the roadworks and the potholes be done? I doubt that. And certainly as far as potholes go, all the local authorities are going to be even more cash-strapped uh, than they already were. So um, your prospect for uh, getting your local potholes filled in the very near future is probably zero. On that note, just before the lockdown happened, um, I hit a pothole, and I mean, it was a mother of a pothole, and there were many down the road I went down. Um, it was, and I went back and measured it, because I had to go and you have to submit a report and the rest of it, 120 centimetres long, 60 centimetres wide, and 11 centimetres deep. So when I say I hit it, I basically ground out on it. It was just absolutely ridiculous. About 20 miles an hour. But needless to say, it has... Um, uh, how can I bleep this out? Buckled. I should have said buckled. Of course, I could have said buckled instead of buggered. It has buckled my wheel um, it's quite considerably. But have a guess how much it costs to have the wheel replaced, have the alignment and tracking all done on the Audi. Have a punt. Not far short of a grand. On the S3, is this? This is on the S3. Uh, so a wheel, a tyre and the tracking. Yep. Oh, £1,798. Oh, it, almost, it was £1,079.80, so close. Both of you, both of you went, went for the high number. I, when, I, when I looked at the quota, oh my, really? It's just incredible. Uh, have, you, have you recovered anything from the uh, highways agency or if it's local road, the local authority? You have to submit a report um, oh. before you can submit a claim. And I submitted the report, and you can see if other people have reported it. And there are already 14 reports for the same hole. Because the problem is, if someone comes the other way, there is literally nowhere to go. Sure. Um, you, have to, you have to hit it. Um, someone pulled out around a junction around the corner, and I just had no choice but to hit it. Um, I, it was only, I say, it was probably even under 20 miles an hour. It was, it was slow, but it was hard enough. Um, I reported it, but the system went wrong and it reported it four times. So I got five, three responses back saying, I assume this is the same as the other pothole you've already reported. We're going to fix this. Um, and I've had nothing else since. But I have sent the quote in, but I couldn't believe it. It's 1,100 quid for a pothole repair. That's it's mad, isn't it? Well, most I local know. authorities spend now more on uh, covering up their insurance uh, requirements than they do on actually fixing the potholes because uh, a lot of the insurance companies that insure local authorities will, uh, will seek to walk away from their liabilities. And uh, they will ask the local authority, have you got a maintenance program which covers this particular pothole? Which is why there's this um, fascination with local authorities of going out and, and ringing that particular pothole with a white or a coloured paint, because then they can quite reasonably say to the local authority, oh yes, it's in our maintenance program. And then the, the, the insurance company should pay up, but they don't always. There were so many holes down there. It looked like it had been bombed, the road. Um, they hadn't uh, put anything around it. And the reports were you know, a month old. So they, they'd had plenty of time to get it sorted. 
Uh, but they should have put a sign up at the front saying, you know, unso- unsuitable for vehicles or, you know, tanks only or tracked vehicles <laughs> only. I think there's no other way to get down that road. They're probably going to rent it out for a, a remake of a World War Two movie. You know, it'll 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 feature as some sort of bombed French village or something like that. Well, when I got out of the car, I thought that maybe it was the footings for some sort of new affordable housing development or something. It was <laughs> huge. It was partially filled with water and I could have, if, if we could have heated it up, you could have used it as a hot tub. It was so big. <laughs> I mean, certainly, even as it is, you could use it as a foot spa. Something I was going to uh, uh, talk about, we were talking about auctions of, of uh, cars and so on, and this just caught my eye yesterday. It was a, an announcement from Bonhams, and they're doing a, an NHS charity auction. Some interesting stuff there, and if you fancy, for example, Lewis's last year's race suit... That's up for sale, as is um, Valtteri's race suit and a number of others and bits of F1 cars from last season. Uh, a lot of F1 companies have donated stuff. They expect to raise uh, quite a number of millions. So if you really, really want to own something like that, which is absolutely unique, then uh, go for it. Now is a good time and it will benefit NHS charities in its entirety. So much in favour of. Definitely a worthy cause there. Absolutely a worthy cause. And I can just imagine if you do get out into a track day, if you were wearing uh, Lewis's uh, last year's race suit, that would certainly attract some interest in the paddock. I think probably I'd need to lose a lot of weight because I'd look like the Michelin Man. I would look like someone had abandoned a mattress uh, in in some pin bags or something if I was wearing Lewis's suit. I'd uh, I'd definitely... There'd be a few bits popping out at the seams, I think. Yes. Yeah, the, the, these days I would need two suits with a join down the middle, I think, uh, having put on a little weight while I've been uh, here at home. I've actually lost weight since we've been in lockdown because I now will always go out every day and go for a walk and I'm out for an hour or whatever. Um, I've lost the best part of half a stone since I've been off. Excellent. Mm, no sign of that in, in my case, but uh, I have been doing the walk. Uh, fortunately, uh, my next door neighbour has a huge garden, 30 acres, so I don't even have to go and pound the public streets. He's quite happy for me and my good lady to hop over the fence and walk his um, massive garden. I was about to say, what, what's your neighbour called? Lord March? Or... <laughs> no. So, so just to recap, if you want to get your hands on some of those exclusive items, go to bottoms.com and check out the Blue Auction. When it comes to motorsport, and all sports really, but motorsport and Formula One, lots of people will be having withdrawal symptoms, and that particularly includes Jim, as we know, likes nothing more than to talk a lot about Formula One. So, have you seen some of the virtual racing? Uh, I, I'm still struggling to get into it, to be honest. I've uh, found some solace in uh, in watching the classic and, and highlights of old races on YouTube. Uh, Formula One as an entity are obviously more and more involved on social media these days. So to be able to sit there and watch Spain 96, you know, Monaco 96, and uh, hopefully Belgium 98 soon coming up, just just watching some classic races like that is uh, is filling the void. I've tried to get into into watching esports, and and much as I like to uh, to play on simulators and and rigs, and I'm and I'm reasonably handy at it. When I've been with a a few mates and a few different groups, I'm I'm always there or thereabouts. It's uh, it's just not quite the same. It does translate across to the real world rather spectacularly. I'm sure we've all seen the uh, the YouTube clip of the NASCAR driver who 
thought that his microphone wasn't recording when he uh, chose to say a, a particularly inappropriate word. Within a matter of hours, he'd found himself sacked by the team. All his sponsors had pulled the plug, so his career is uh, is currently over. So, virtual though it, it may be, there are still ramifications in real life. And uh, there was another amusing clip as well. One driver had a, uh, a shunt and uh and he had some force feedback on his wheel and i think through the seat as well and the the impact with the wall was so violent it broke one of the legs on his simulator rig so on a live stream you saw him shunt into the wall and then his entire room turn upside down where the rig collapsed onto the side <laughs> and he had to fish himself out of it so it's it's getting go. more and more and more realistic so to the stage where where simulators <laughs> start throwing you out of the side if you have a big shunt then it's uh, it does make it more entertaining but i uh, I, I think watching classic rerun races of of the real thing to me is uh, still more entertaining even if you know the result i'd i'd rather watch something in real life than uh, than something virtual yeah, certainly. I would. Uh, I'd, I've enjoyed uh, some of the uh, reruns of classic races that I've seen, but the 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 one that I particularly enjoyed. A lot of people ran this as part of the obituary for Sterling Moss was the '61 uh, Monaco race, which was just absolutely brilliant. And um, I enjoyed uh, watching the rerun of that uh, a week or so ago. Well, of course, yeah. I know we. Um... There was the uh, the podcast put out last week that uh, that I'm sure everyone's listened to by now. Very sad news about Sir Sterling. It was one of those. He uh, was one of those people you just thought he was he was going to live forever, no matter what the man seemed to uh, to spend his life doing. However dangerous it was, from motor racing in the era that he did to falling down lift shafts at the age of seventy odd or eighty. It's uh, well, now that that'll be fine. He'll be back in a car next week, and and he was after that. But it's um no very sad times and and. Th- Thoughts go out to his his wife Susie and his friends and family. He'll uh, he'll definitely be very 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 sorely missed. It'll be sad not to see him at Goodwood Festival of Speed or Revival this year. Whenever those two events happen to take place, hopefully we'll get them in this year. Fingers crossed. But rest in peace, Sir Sterling. Yeah, certainly I, I would echo that. I, I will share with you something. Uh, that that sixty one race. This is the the one where you had the side pods removed because it was um, a very very hot race and a. I remember him saying to me one time when I when I asked him about that, he said, "Yes, so that was the story. It was a very hot race." He said, "Actually, he said I thought it looked pretty cool and would attract the girls. That's why I did it." That was typical Sterling. I think if there was uh, if there was ever an example of uh, of how to live your life, Sir Sterling was uh, was that perfect example. I think he had a, so. a whale of a time, and um, I think it's something he'd he'd said. Uh, stuck stuck with me and, and rang through. He just said, you know, I, ca- I can't think of a better life for a young man than being a professional racing driver. And, and he did that all the way through his life and, and what a life it was. Fair play. So moving back onto the real world of Formula One then, there's been some talk about starting the season possibly behind closed doors so no crowds in attendance at the circuit whatsoever i think the when that initial idea was floated as a possible um idea for the australian grand prix running it behind closed doors and uh, and bahrain as well i think that the idea was a bit poo-pooed i think that everybody now has kind of come round to the the fact that it well it's not going to happen with a crowd of, uh, of 150 200 000 people in front of it so what do we think are, are we best off 
getting going the season as soon as it's uh, it's safe and and not going to cause anyone any harm but behind closed doors i mean i'm i'm in favor of that if if it gets racing going again and and gives us something to look forward to and something to aim for i'm less fussed about a crowd being in attendance at the circuit how how much of an effect that'll given have given that most of us watch these days uh, either online or uh, on on uh, tv uh, and not so many of us actually go to the races yes i know thousands and thousands do but certainly, the 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 just to get things going again would be something. I, I heard a very interesting interview with Zach Brown from McLaren, uh, and whether Zach was uh, preempting some of the things that the team bosses are talking about, I'm not sure. But several of the things that he was suggesting was yes, behind closed doors, uh, yes, probably two races per race weekend to attempt to catch up and certainly he was suggesting that Silverstone would hold the British Grand Prix possibly on the Saturday or Sunday and another international Grand Prix uh, on the other day so you know two two for your money um, and that he felt that that could uh, work uh, through the rest of the season so that there's a you know we still get back up to 2021 races um, at the end of the season, which I'm sure will keep all the uh, sponsors and the TV companies and everybody else happy. Well, of course, it's uh, it's not an unprecedented situation. I mean, Donington was uh, was always the European Grand Prix, and then I think we've had the uh, the Luxembourg Grand Prix in Belgium, the San Marino Grand Prix in Imola, the Swiss mm-hmm. Grand Prix in Germany, etc. There's been plenty of uh, of cases of Grand Prix happening, not necessarily in the location they should. Which one should Silverstone have then? What do you fancy? The Australian, the uh, Bahrain. What, what do you think? The Italian Grand Prix. Yeah, the, yeah. The Ita- <laughs> I think the Italian is def- definitely up for grabs, isn't it? <laughs> Relocate that to Silverstone. Yes. Um, the uh, North- Northamptonshire Grand Prix. That's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. But it's um, no. Or what do we think about the idea of running a, uh, a few races? And, and again, I think this is a bit of a, uh, a hangover from virtual or sim racing. Or let's face it, just mucking about on the computer if you'd spun or crashed too many times driving circuits the wrong way round. What what do we think to that? Can we see Silverstone rejigging a few gravel traps and things? Because yes. of course, I watched a. Yes, a backwards... I love the idea of a Silverstone reverse. <laughs> I've seen a, a few backwards racetracks videos, and some of them where the, the, there's no gravel trap on on the way into a corner, because of course they're designed for for runoff and things going wrong in a particular direction. Some of the corners look absolutely terrifying, um, but that that does enhance it. And one corner that is phenomenal in ro- in reverse is uh, is Radion and Eau Rouge at Spa. To to do that backwards looks like a uh, that that would be a hell of a spectacle. Hmm. I, I, I'm not sure how many of the drivers would sign up for that. Well, I, th- I think they're all probably so bored now they they just can't wait. I think Daniel Ricciardo said, "I just can't wait. Everyone's going to break lap records because everybody's just going to be so pent up." And uh, and I think it was uh, well uh, we mentioned earlier we'd like to see a rerun of uh, of Spa '98. I think after the race, Damon Hill was interviewed, and uh, of course it had the massive pile up coming out of La Source. And, uh, and throughout all the, the red flag and the tidy up and the rebuild and whatever else, Damon didn't get out of the car. So he said that by the time the restart came round, he was absolutely dying for a pee, which is why he made such a good start. So he thought, well, the quicker I get this over and done with, the quicker I can get to the loo. So mm. it's uh, a bit of a bit of pent up uh, pent up aggression. And certainly improve your lap time, yes. Or there'll be an almighty crash. Just an almighty, everyone's going to go out and go, yes, I'm going to do this. 
and everyone's going to be really ready and raring to go. Everyone goes straight out and crashes into each other at the first corner. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of reminded of, of that famous line from uh, Sid Watkins, um, Professor Sid Watkins' uh, book, when he talked about Martin Brundle's uh, massive crash when he was sort of upside down. And uh, he ran back into the pits and uh, ran back to, to find Sid Watkins to see if it was... Um, okay for him to get in the spare car yes they had spare cars then uh so we are talking a number of years ago and uh, sid watkins said well um, yes i said to martin yes of course you can and uh then he uh, uh, as he put it in the book martin never made any sense and wasn't making any sense on this occasion so that was fine he was okay but then i think was was that also the uh, the situation where he hopped into the car and then got onto the radio and said right i'm ready to go which way do i turn out of the pits <laughs> I, I discovered uh, years ago at, uh, at Goodwood that uh, a lot of the team personnel would actually guide uh, their drivers uh, out of the Goodwood uh, holding areas in exactly the same way as they would at the Formula One meeting. Because uh, I queried the guy who was then doing the, the job for McLaren. And he said, well, just the same as usual. We, we, we tell them where to go. We point them in the right direction. There's no difference. Let's get some motorsport back as, as soon as we reasonably can and certainly uh, to get back not to churning about on motorways, on clogged roads, but hopefully, um, uh, certainly there's a suggestion in the last day or so that many companies will actually rethink whether everybody needs to come in on time and come in at certain times. And, you know, maybe we'll see this as, uh, as a, a way in which the... Uh, the rush hour might be a thing of the past. Let us all hope so. Hopefully so. I think, uh, yeah, if we can, uh, if we, going back to what we said earlier, just stay positive and, uh, and have things to look forward to. I mean, plenty of people have said that, that in with everything going on, that sport and, and concerts and big things like that, you know, should, should be last on everyone's mind. But I think it does sport and and music it, it gives people a release it gives people an escape it, it gives people something to look forward to to look up to to admire and and spur them on and keep them happy more than anything um so i know the the sooner we can get a bit of uh, track action and things like that going on the uh, the better really and but stay safe everyone follow the advice hopefully not too much longer we'll uh, we'll be out the other side of this and uh, still get a bit of summer and um hopefully have a good one what I would like to know, actually, is, is has anybody managed to get on and with car restorations and working on their project cars, their track cars, whatever it might be? I mean, we've talked about washing and bits and pieces, and I say washing ourselves, no, we always do that, washing the cars and everything else, but actually working on stuff at home. Now, obviously, Graham's spoken about staying safe and servicing your car, but um, has anyone managed to get on and restore a, a car that had an old classic? Have you got an Austin Healey in the garage that... Was, you've been sitting there waiting for years and years and years and finally you thought, you know what, might as well get on with it now uh, and made a, a good start got your way through it. I mean, I've, my car's in the, in the garage now, the onions are up on axle stands and I'm, I'm quite keen to get in there and do a couple of bits and pieces. But with every, um, every bit of adversity, they, they say there's some opportunity and I think in, in this case, assuming you can get the bits delivered to you, uh, one, um, one uh, uh, part supplier that's supposed to have delivered something to me some, uh, some weeks ago, still not delivering, um, but I certainly won't name who they are. <coughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that aside, if you've managed to get out in the garage, uh, been able to do something exciting, by all means, either tweet us, 
email us, write to us at um, UK Motor Talk Towers, PO Box, whatever it is. Um, but yes, otherwise, Twitter, UK Motor Talk, Facebook, UK Motor Talk. Find us, send us a picture of what you're doing because actually, we are interested. Some of us are very bored, but actually, we are very interested in what you're doing, and I'd like to see. For everyone out there, stay safe, um, stay well, stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives, and don't, I know it's tempting, don't just go out for pointless drives. We all sometimes really tempted to get out there and get on the cars, the roads are clear and everything else. Stay at home, stay at home. It's much safer for everyone. But just uh, on that note as well, if, uh, if, if anyone is at home and, uh, and is struggling then and just wants to, uh, to chat about anything motoring related, if you're missing motoring in your life, because that's what you, uh, you like spending your time on or you just want to talk, drop us, a, uh, drop us a tweet, drop us an email, whatever you like, if, uh, if you just want somebody to talk to, because this can be a bit of a lonely time if you can't get out of the house. So look after yourselves. I must warn you, though, these podcasts are heavily edited. So, so, so generally speaking, there's even more waffling than we actually put out. This is the good stuff that you're listening to. What you're listening to is is pure polished gold. <laughs> what, so, what, what went in at the other end certainly wasn't. As we're doing this in a me- with a medium that allows us to see each other, it's interesting to see that our gold polisher is is making some rude gestures because he knows his work starts shortly. <laughs> And on that note, stay safe, everyone. It's been great uh, chatting to you. I'm, I'm sorry if this has not been quite up to our, our usual standard, being all in different places at once, but uh, uh, hopefully there's been something here to keep you entertained, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Take care now. Bye-bye. UK Motor Dork, a first-take media production.